want to be blessed in 2020? Raise your hand up high and wave it if you want to be blessed in 2020. Look around. Look around. Look around at the people not waving their hands and say, what's wrong with you? You don't want to be blessed? How many of you would like blessings to actually follow you the rest of your lives and not just in 2020? Well, guess what? We are not the first people in the history of humanity who wanted to be blessed. People through the ages have longed for blessings. Matter of fact, that's why a lot of ancient cultures turned to pagan gods. They turned to gods of fertility, war, peace, provision, even gods who could supposedly send rain for crops. They were, why, why would someone do this? Because they were looking for blessings. They were looking for something or someone that, that could provide for them something they felt they needed or wanted or desired. And so today I want to kick off the first week of our three-week series on the blessed life. The blessed life. And if you've never heard of it, there's actually a book entitled The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. I'll give that a shout out. If you've never read that book, read the book. It is phenomenal. Robert Morris's Blessed Life. Lord, thank you for everybody who's here, who's tuning in online. Touch people who might be traveling or ill or unable to make it, God. You know every individual circumstance and situation. But God, just speak through me to us, Lord, so that we could really receive something in our, in, from your word that would impact our lives, maybe uh, and challenge us, encourage us, change us, Lord, improve our lives. Whatever it is that you're looking to do today, Lord, I pray that your word would just go forth uninhibited. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It was not just pagan culture searching for blessings. Even the Israelites in the Bible longed for blessings. And what is awesome is that the one true God that we serve, the same God the Israelites of ancient culture served, actually longs to and desires to bless you. If you think God is a God that's like holding you over hellfire, waiting for you to mess up, make a mistake, and be like, ha, I knew it. That's not the God we serve. Our God is one that longs. He actually is interested in his people and longs to bless us. But notice something integral, something vital, something crucial. Blessing was and is always predicated by obedience. Look at scripture, Deuteronomy 28.1, and he starts this list of blessings. I want to read this whole passage. It's, it's just incredible. But look at how the passage starts off. Read the first uh, four or five words with me. If... That's it. Okay, everything else, it doesn't matter what is said after this moment. If we don't get those first, if you fully obey. Four words. If we do not get the, we, we can move on to the list and say, that's awesome, that's awesome, that sounds great. Wow, that's amazing. That is wonderful. But if we skip past, if you fully obey. The Lord your God, and carefully keep all his commands that I am giving you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all other nations of the world. Read this. Read, look at this with me. This is amazing. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. How many want that? Your 
children and your crops will be blessed. I want that. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed, if I could talk. Blip, 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 blip. We're not farmers anymore, but hey, that's the increase. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you will be blessed. I want that. Wherever the people of Refuge Church go and whatever we do, I want us to be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they'll scatter from you in seven. That's awesome. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord, your God, will bless you in the land he's giving you. If you obey, oh, there it is again. The commands of the Lord, your God, and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people. That just as he swore to do. Then all the nations of the world will see you that you're a people claimed by God. They will stand. The world will stand in awe of you. I want that. Not for my glory, but so that people can see the God of heaven and earth reflecting in my image. And he says, verse, uh, verse 10, then all the nations, I'm sorry, I read that, 11. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land, he swore to your ancestors, to give you blessing you with many children. Now, I know some of you are like, hold it, whoa, I'm out right there. <laughs> Numerous, hey, Sarah had a child at 90. Anybody here under 90? Yep. God can still do it. Hallelujah. <laughs> and it says numerous livestock abundant crops verse 12 the lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens will bless all the work you do you will lend to many nations but you will never need to borrow from them if you listen to these commands of the lord your god that i'm giving you today and if you carefully obey him don't just be a hearer of the word be a doer listen and obey the Lord will make you the head, not the tail. You will always be on top and never on the bottom. I want this for Refuge Church. I want, I read this and I go, that, yes, 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 yes. I want that for us, for all of us. If we obey, though, that was said two or three different times. And so... You know, people say that God's only interested in eternal blessing. Anyone ever heard that? God don't care about this earth. He just wants you to, he cares about eternal blessings. That God has no interest in any type of blessing us here on this earth. Guess what? I don't buy that. I don't buy it. Now, I certainly agree that we should not get consumed with the things of this earth. And we must keep our eyes on eternal things that really matter. But I would argue also, and you'll see throughout the series, that God loves to pour out his blessings upon all people and all shapes and sizes. He loves us. And you'll see scripturally as I show you. Yet one of the main reasons God blesses his people is so that we can be a blessing. 
check out a couple of other times in Deuteronomy where God discusses this concept of blessing with his people. Deuteronomy 14, 28, he says, at the end of every third year, now granted, understand this isn't exactly our culture, but there's principles that we're reading that he gave his, his livestock, his farming, farming culture back there. He says, at the end of every third year, bring the entire tithe of that year's harvest and store it in the nearest town. Give it to the Levites who will receive no allotment of the land among you as well as to the foreigners living among you, the orphans and the widows in your town, so that they can eat and be satisfied. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all your work. And then look at another one, Deuteronomy 15.10. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. Notice on separate occasions, God is distinctly saying the exact same message. You know what it is? Very clearly. Blessing is directly attached to giving. It is, you'd be blessed, but look at these people in need, and he connects blessing to giving. God was not just blessing Israel so they could build larger tents and live and, and, and have a 401k retirement after they crossed Jericho. Part of his blessing upon his people was so they could be a blessing, but he calls for them to give so it could be given. This is a principle found throughout the word, New Testament and Old Testament. Even though this passage is taken severely out of context over and over again and over again. How many of you have ever heard this, Luke 6.38? Give and you will receive. Give and it will be given unto you, as King James. Your gift will return to you full, pressed down. And we just, man, we preach the fire out of this thing. Do you know that this was talking about forgiveness? I mean, we'll grab this. And we'll be like, I gave 100 bucks. God, they're going to give me 1,000. It says so in Luke chapter 6. You're like, man, actually, that's not even talking about that. <laughs> Sometimes preachers, they're guilty of getting a thought, and then they find a scripture to back their thought. And that's not what we should be preaching. But what I will say is there is a principle associated with this, that when you read this, Old Testament, New Testament, front to back, God wants to bless his people, but along with his blessing, there's an expectation of giving and caring that comes along with that blessing. There are principles, give, and it will be given unto you. He says, and, and press down, shaken together, make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. The amount you give will be turned. This is, this is, yes, we're talking about forgiveness here, but it's really a principle in the Christian life of giving, and it shall be given. Even at refuge, this is why we aim to care for and provide one another, for one another and for members of our community. We will do things like team up with Hope Kids, a Kansas City nonprofit, families with children under the age of 18 with life-threatening illnesses. We want to try to offer hope. That's our vision, offering hope somehow, some way. Our pantry of hope for members in our community, the first and third Friday nights of every month. We aim to feed spiritually in Bible studies from 6 to 7, and then 7 o'clock is food distribution. And so we have a wonderful team of people that work hard to serve our community. Our benevolent fund, if you uh, give online, you'll see a tab for a benevolent fund. Those are not for just strangers that walk in. 
benevolent fund is specifically for members of this church who hit hard times. And so we have a committee that oversees that fund. And somebody says, hey, you know, I, I hit a rough time and I can't make the electric bill this week. And, and, and if, if you could help at all. And so we step in and we will help our members. We don't have the resources to help the whole city in that area, but we offer the pantry for anybody in the community in the city. And, and even our monthly support, if you look on that back wall, we support every North American missionary in the state of Missouri. And we support several global missionaries. Why? Because one passage clearly called for financial support of the Levitical priesthood who spent their lives in ministry for other people. So we aim to do whatever we can as a church for the community and for others in trying to serve, not just and say, I'm going to preach the gospel and teach you a Bible study, but tangible blessings for people. I would go as far as to make the following argument. If every believer in the world understood the principles I am about to present to you today in the next two weeks, it would literally bring revival to the entire world. There would not be one part of the world that would be left uncovered. Every missionary with a divine call and a willing heart would be sent to their field of call. I'll say that again. Every missionary across the entire globe, if Christians everywhere understood the principle of tithes, offerings, giving, if everybody did that, we would not have to send deputations, missionaries begging from church to church. Every single missionary would be in their field of call if the Christian Church of the United States of America, every member got this. And it would bring a global revival unlike we've ever seen. When God talks to his people about curses and blessings, that might sound a little strange to us possibly. But in ancient Near East culture, this was the norm. Absolutely normal. Nearly all treaty or covenant texts from ancient Near East contained curses and blessings. The curses were leveled against those who violated the terms of the agreement, while blessings were promised to the faithful. Sometimes the blessings were a little shorter simply because it's easier to describe a blessing than it is to describe a curse. So sometimes the curses were longer. And Deuteronomy presented to the assembly of Israel, God's people, what God expected of the nation. If you obey, here's what's going to happen. But I could read you a whole bunch of other chapters that say, if you don't, here's what's going to happen. Blessing and a curse. And whether they agreed with it or not... Whether they liked it or not, whether their lives were cursed or blessed, depended on their obedience to the covenant. And as you read through the rest of the Bible, you will see Israel's subsequent history is filled with both. Sometimes they were really blessed, and other times they were really cursed. Why is that? Because if you look, to, look back and say, here's what God said, you can find a story that says they went directly against what God laid out there. So they were cursed. But other times they did exactly what God asked them to do, and their lives were blessed. I mean, is it really that easy? Our lives are going to be blessed if we just align with his commandments, and they're going to be cursed if we don't? Yeah. But, Brother Kevin talked about it, sometimes this flesh gets so strong that it's hard to say no sometimes. Or hard to say yes. 
And so today, I launched this series because he's your pastor who loves and cares about you. Thanks, Brother Kevin. He got up here and talked all about the weight of a pastor, and there is that. There is, absolutely. And God lays things on my heart, and, uh, you know, I could try and say, God, you know what? I'm not a huge fan of that. I would much rather preach this. This is going to be way more fun. But I'm going to preach what God lays on my heart to preach. Now, if you can make it through today, it is smooth sailing the rest of the way. You know why? You just heard the first portion about authority, and now you're going to hear about finances. If you can make it, those are you, in the same day. People don't want to hear you tell them about authority and their finances. You can make it through today. The rest is smooth sailing from here on out. But I promise you, I will not leave the Bible one time. So, I know, the minute I talk about the concept of money or giving, you probably, I wonder if anybody just tuned out of that live stream. You know, had 13 people watching, now there's like nine, you know. Some of you are like, man, just tuned out. You know, we might not want to come back for the rest of the series. Well, some might shut off the podcast, but I'll ask you to do something for me. Let's just say that you've been chosen for jury selection. Who's served on a jury? Okay. Guess what? I've been called next Monday to do my civic duty. Lucky me. i got to be careful because everybody has different opinions on that. Let me just say I hope there's no crime and they don't need me, okay? <laughs> for several reasons. But here you go. You just got selected for jury duty. Here's what I want. Over the next three weeks, you just keep an open mind. And when we get to the end of three weeks, you decide what God is saying about what he wants you to do with the rest of your life. Don't come in and say automatically, yes, no, I've heard this. I don't need to hear this. I'm not listening to this. Just say, I want to hear what God's word says. I'm going to be a jury, and I'm going to make a decision based on what I see in scripture. That's all I'm asking you to do. Check this out. Do you know that there are more than 500 verses in the Bible concerning prayer? How many believe prayer is important in the life of a believer? There are nearly 500 verses concerning faith. How many believe faith is important in the life of a believer? You know I'm setting you up right now. I mean, we all know that we're smart. We're smart. You're like, here we go. We're driving down the road. I know what's around the corner. Do you know that there are more than 2,000 verses concerning the subject of money and possessions? 500 prayer, almost 500 faith, 2,000 on money and possessions. Somebody says, well, I wish the church wouldn't talk about money. That person is essentially saying, I wish that a huge chunk of the Bible didn't exist. Or I wish that I could censor my pastor's mouth so that I don't have to. I wish that the pastor would email out the list of topics he's preaching for the rest of the week so I could choose, but face style, which ones I'm going to come to. As someone who will always preach the word, I will never avoid any topic in the Bible no matter what it is. Never. And so, Jesus, he talked about money 
in 16 of his 38 parables. It's almost like he knew humans would have an issue with money. Clearly, he wanted the disciples to understand money, and so did us. Why? Because money is actually a test from God. I'm laying a foundation, but we're going to go deeper into these concepts in the next two weeks. And I'm going to be very open and very practical with you. I'm going to share some of my personal journey, too, in the next couple weeks. It's going to be a series, and it's going to be powerful if you'll let yourself be that jerk. Money's a test from God. How you handle money reveals volumes about your priorities, loyalties, and affections. In fact, it directly dictates many of the blessings you will or will not receive. And so, just like it did for the Israelites in the Old Testament, the very first principle we, must all, we all must grasp, if we're truly going to understand giving and generosity and faithfulness, is the principle of what the Bible calls first fruits. Say that important word with me. First fruits. If you're a guest, you might never have heard that word. And you're like, okay, what's that? That's a biblical old English term. Well, no, first fruits. Really, that is what's first, what's best. And we find an important financial precedent established in the 13th chapter of Exodus when it says, Exodus 13, 2, dedicate to me. Every firstborn among the Israelites, the first offspring to be born, both humans and animals, belongs to me. Here God plainly declares, the firstborn is mine. In fact, you'll find God declaring that 16 different times. It always requires faith to give first. That's why so few Christians actually ever experience the blessing of tithing. Because even the ones that partially will do it often will not give the first 10%. I'll give a portion. I'll see what I have left over after the bills. What is a tithe? A tithe literally means a tenth. $10 is a tithe is $1. $100 a tithe is $10. $1,000 a tithe is 100. And if you say well, if I get more later, I'm planning on doing it later. If you cannot give God a dollar on $10, it's not going to get easier to give 100 on 1000 That's why Scripture says, because you've been faithful in the small things, I can give you more of the big things. Paraphrase. But so, by tithing, it means, we're, what are we doing when we're tithing? It means giving to God... Before you see if you have enough. Whoa, that takes faith. I, I, I am not mincing that. I'm not making that small. If I know that if you're one of the families or individuals here that you're saying, there is more month than money. I know that the preacher, yeah, easy for him to say, but you're going to hear about my story here in the next couple weeks. Contrary to what you might think, my wife and I, we are not rich. We were not, came out of the womb rich. We went through some real struggles, and some of those struggles was not because the enemy was attacking me. It was because we were just stupid with money. I'm going to talk candidly with you about this. 
the days, you know, in yesteryear, you know, they make the joke, I got to be real careful right now because young ears, but the two things that your parents never talked about, you never thought they had, and then you found out older, you were older, and they had both of them, the two off-limit to- topics that we don't talk about those things in church or in small groups, well, what in the world, why now? We're going to get a whole warped idea of what those things are then. There needs to be proper avenues and venues where we discuss these things. Did I do a good job treading lightly around that? Some of the young ones are like, what's he talking about? (laughs) Probably where you guys are eating today for lunch. So you just can go discuss that later. But, But it means giving to God before you see if you're going to have enough. That there's no way for me to put that takes faith and it takes more faith for the person right now that's in this audience going i have more month than money but at the end of the day are you your provider or is he and where that first 10 percent goes if it's to all state insurance or penny mac may mortgage fund or whatever or to god it speaks volumes of where, you, where, where your trust is. And so we see this in the New Testament. Notice this discourse starts with the topic of money. Matthew 6.24, one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible of Matthew 6.33 that says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. But look where it starts. 24 says, No one can serve two masters. You're going to either hate one, love the other, you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So before we go any further, that's where it starts. Jesus is like, you cannot serve me and be enslaved to money. Now let's talk about some other things. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food, your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father. Feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Isn't that interesting that two verses later, after talking about money, he's talking about worries adding things to your life. Is it possible that Jesus knew that human beings were going to worry about money? Has anyone here ever worried about money? You are a bunch of liars not raising your hands. We have all, at some point or another, well, maybe not all of us. Some of us have been blessed to be born into money. My mom's a great mom. My dad was a great dad, but I was not born into money. But I was well taken care of. But we've all had moments where we say, oh, Lord, how are you getting at a single moment in your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, richest man, wisest man, in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully, beautifully as they are. He says, and if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Again, where did this start talking about? It started talking about money. Why do we believe that God can forgive us of our sins 
wash our sins away and put his spirit inside of us and change our lives. But he cannot provide for the electric bill. Why in the world do we, oh, God is so good. God can heal you right now. He can take away that disease. You can walk right now. I'm telling you, God can do this. He can forgive your sins. He can break the bonds of addiction. But he just can't, he just can't pay my bill. I just wonder if God's like, yeah, that's my, that's my boy. That's my girl. Yeah, amen. When, wait, wait, what? Oh, my cattle on a thousand hills. This whole world's mine. Are you kidding me? He says, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Ooh. Your heavenly father already knows what you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteousness, righteously, and he will give you what you need. When it comes to money, there are a lot of worries that come, but God promises we have nothing to worry about if we just obey him and keep him first. Sounds so much like the Old Testament, what we just read. If you just obey me, if you just keep me first, I will give you all these blessings. You go to the New Testament, don't worry about all these things. Just obey me. Seek me first. Keep me number one, first fruits. Number one place, I will always take care of you. Now, we think take care of you. That defines it differently for people, right? Take care of me means a 6,500 square foot custom home with a... No, it doesn't always mean that. I don't read that in that passage. I read he's going to provide for my food and my clothes, and he's going to take care of me. And when we obey, look at yet another testimony that follows this command. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Not just with your worship, not just with your church attendance. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best. What's the best? The first fruits. The best. Part of everything you produce. Then, then, oh, I, we want this part. Fill my barns with grain and my vats will overflow with good wine. Yes, that's, that's, that's blessing. That's overflow. That's what I want. But before I get to that, first is Honor me with your best. In the Old Testament, most of the people were farmers. They raised animals, grew crops for a living. Increase came as crops were harvested and livestock were reproduced. Today, that's a little different. I know that a lot of you, you're like, well, yeah, I'll honor him with my crops. Go ahead, grab some of my grass clippings. I don't care. You hear me like that? No, no, no. Today, you might be a banker, a lawyer, a teacher, a construction worker. Your increase comes in a check or a payment for your skills or services or knowledge. Today, we just sang a song, a new song. Give me Jesus. I won't, I won't, I won't pain you and go further than that. But you know what song? It was that last one. We like when Jesus gives us stuff. We like when Jesus gave us himself. Give me, give me, give. Great song, but we like that part for life. But what happens when Jesus says, give me, give me, Jesus' voice probably like, give me, you know, like, what happens, how excited about that do we get? 
kind of like it better when he gives me stuff. If you read Joshua chapter 7, you will find a story about a man named Achan. God was leading his people on one military victory after another, after another, after another, after another, after another. Nobody could stop him. And he says, you're getting ready to come to the walls of Jericho. You're going to shout, and the walls are going to fall, and there's going to be spoils in this city. But do not take any of those spoils. Because, why would he do that? Is it because he was like, hey, me and Gabriel, Michael, we sat down, we looked at the budget, heaven's short on cash. No. It's because he wanted to teach them, after all, that's really what the tithe is. He wanted to teach them, I am God and your provider. You're going to walk past the spoils, walk past all of it. Don't take one thing. I'm your provider. Well, sometimes that's too much for us, isn't it? Sometimes when we look at the increase, it's just too difficult to not take some of it for ourselves. And Achan did that. And he hid it under his tent, and it was time for the next battle. And, and they're like, Joshua's like, man, there ain't nothing. We got this. Just take 300 guys. We don't even need a battalion, okay? We got this. Just go take, and they should have. They died. They came back. They were destroyed. Joshua's like, what is going on? God's like, get up. Stop crying. There's sin in the camp. What? Come to find out, Achan and his family hid some of, the, some of the spoils from Jericho underneath their tent in the ground. Achan and all his family were killed. Sin was removed. And literally, God couldn't bless an entire nation because one family didn't trust God to be their provider. So you better believe as a pastor, am I going to preach this kind of stuff? Absolutely. Because I want the whole church to be blessed. I want God to rebuke the devourer from the whole church, not just your family. The whole church. And so, that's what happened to Aiken. Your tithe, that first 10%. That first 10% of your income will always do one of two things. There's no in-between. Your first 10% of increase will always be blessed or cursed. Every check, every increase, it will always be. That's why to me, I don't gather up a bunch of checks and pay. I, 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 I'm going to talk about that later too. Immediately, the first fruit goes to him, and my first fruit will always be blessed or cursed if I'm a Bible believer. And so, it's going to be consecrated. That's how it was through the Bible. And I would rather have 90% of my money blessed than 100% cursed. That's why it says the Malachi. Look at, I mean, like one of the few times, and, and many of you know this, but for those of you that don't, let's look at this. Malachi 3, 8, and 9. Israel ended up getting away from God at times. And at one point, look what he sends through his messenger Malachi. 
Malachi looks at the children of God and he says, should people cheat God? Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. You ask, well, what do you mean? How in the world have I cheated you? You've cheated me of the tithes and offerings, which is a whole other message. Because notice, tithes and offerings, is two separate things. I don't think we're just called to pay tithes. God says, you've, you've, you've cheated me in tithes and offerings due to me. Verse 9, you are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating you. Man, God don't mess around with this stuff. I sympathetically know what it feels like to go, oh, I feel tight. But I never once see God say, you know what, Achan? I know that you were trying to get a bigger tent. So even though I said that, Achan, I'm going to go ahead and sign off on this. Go ahead and get that tent. I know that, that you know, that, that tent's on sale at Academy. They're 70% off. That's tent. Columbia, do they make a tent? Columbia? Campers? Coleman. Coleman, that's a. Columbia, that's jackets. You can have your jacket and the, and the, and the gloves for the tent. I'm really exposing on how often I camp right now. I just went camping a couple weeks ago. It was at the Residence Inn in St. Louis. But the Coleman is on sale. I don't see God go, go ahead. Just get it. It's fine. I understand. Everything's cool between us. Me and God have an understanding. It's just not there. Throughout the whole scripture, it was like, I demand this. If you obey, I'll take care of everything. Old Testament, New Testament, if you obey, I got you. Don't worry. I got you. I'll take care of it. But the problem comes when we say, eh, I just look. Numbers aren't adding up, so I need to pay my thing. And now I've shifted something to where I am now saying, I am my provider. I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of that. It's amazing to me how many people will try to, to reason. Well, that's old, that's old Testament. That's Old Testament. Like the Old Testament, just nothing applies today. But did you, did you catch something? Let's look. Two verses earlier from that, you've robbed God. Do you know what it says two verses earlier? Two verses before he discussed finances is, I'm the Lord, I change not. There are certain principles in the Old Testament that they will never change. Yeah, we're not offering animal sacrifice because Jesus Christ became the Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. He was our sacrifice. There's things that, there's, there's principles, but there's certain things that have never changed. That's why the Lord Jesus, he, he says, when you tithe, he starts, that he wasn't going to reteach a principle that was thousands of years old. He just simply says, when he gets to the New Testament, he says, hey, when you tithe, blah, 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 and he just starts teaching because they already knew about tithing. I want to close this message this morning with this story. Genesis 4, verse 1, it said Adam had relations with his wife. 
Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother named Abel, and when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd. And Cain, he cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord, and Abel presented, also brought a gift. The best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock, the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. And the rest of that story is Cain gets jealous, kills his brother Abel. Cain kills his brother Abel as the result of a faulty offering. Now, I've heard it preached, and I think there's still some validity to this, and I've preached it myself. Why did God not accept Cain's offering? Well, because it wasn't a blood sacrifice, and God calls for blood sacrifice, and Abel brought a blood sacrifice, Cain did not. And I think there's principles there that we find throughout the word of God. But it's interesting because show me the scripture where God clearly says to Cain, I want a blood sacrifice. It's not there. But I think we can make the argument based on the rest of scripture about that. But what we do have for a fact is when you look at verse 3, it says, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented what some of his crops yeah throw those ones to God yeah those yeah just give them there next verse says what Abel brought a gift too but what did he bring the best the first fruits the top it was not left over. It was not once he saw everybody bought the crops and everybody was fed and then I'll give God what's left. It was, I'm going to bring you the very best, the first. Cain just brought some crops. Abel brought the very best that he had. And so this principle is a lot more than just money, but definitely a financial element. I invite you to stand to your feet this morning. This probably, again, could be one of those messages that we could have put on principles for life rather than on a Sunday morning service. But I know a lot of people don't get the chance to make it on a Wednesday night. And truth be told, I don't just want 60% of Refuge Church blessed. I want 100% blessed. So I want to go over this stuff on a Sunday morning because I want every home, every member of this church to be blessed or that. Have you robbed God? He goes on and says, listen, you give to me. He says, I'm going to rebuke the devourer. What does that mean? You think about the spiritual element that tries to, sometimes you say, I don't know, nothing seems to be working. I can't, this isn't working. This isn't, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. Have you ever stopped and thought that there is a devourer that's trying to attach itself to your home, your health, your situation, your bills? This is why. I don't mean it insensitive, but when someone comes to me and it's the second or third, or they, they, I'm just struggling, I'm just struggling. I say, well, let's look. How, have you been giving tithes? It's not meant to be a slap in the face, but it's meant to say, 
I cannot step into and stop what God has designed. Because by not aligning with this principle, you are tying God's hands to where he cannot bless you because he's not going to contradict his word. And so, oh, just everything's going wrong. Well, maybe it's time to rebuke the devourer and say, God, I'm fixing to align with your promises and give you a chance to do what you said. You think about this, folks? That scripture is one of the only times, the, one of the only times we read over and over, God says, trust me, uh, stand tall, stand strong, all that. But when it comes to that, you know what he says? He says, prove me. It is like God is getting up in our face and going, you want to do this? Prove me. Come on, prove me. It is like he is just dying to, to, to prove himself and show you trust me? Watch what I will do. It's not just a financial thing. He has the power to change the devourer over all of the things that are getting hit in your life right now. What is that? Oh, you think it's just because I got to give some money? No, it's a heart issue that says, God, I am putting my faith and confidence and trust in you and not myself, not my employer, not my 401k. It is in you, God. But as we close, this, Abel brought the very best that he had. That's not just finances. We can apply this to everything. And worship today, did you just bring some of your worship? Or did you bring the very best that you had? In ministry, did you just bring some of the ministry? Or did you say, I brought the best that I have? Because anything, David's the one that said, I'm not going to offer God something that didn't cost me something. Somebody was trying to give him a piece of land. He says, no, I'm paying for that. I refuse to offer God something that didn't have a cost associated with it. Oh, or Abraham. Yeah, yeah, take your son, your only son. Abraham didn't wait around and say, well, I'm going to think about it. Let's see if I have more boys from Sarah. He took the only son that he had, that he had been waiting on, and said, here is my offering. I am worshiping you, God. I and the lad will go up Mount Moriah, and we are going to worship. Why? Because I'm taking the most prized thing in my life, and I'm giving it to you before I ever know if Sarah has any more sons. When I give the tithe, it's not because, well, if I give it this week, I'm hoping for $500 more next week. No, it's because, God, it's yours, and I offer it in worship to you, and it's the best that I have. And, Lord, you're my provider, and I want that to bleed into every part of my life. I want to offer you the best I can in ministry. I want to offer you the best I can every message I prepare. I want to offer you the best I can if I... If I go out and I shovel snow off the front porch or I, I clean the restrooms or, Lord, if I walk in and the song is my favorite, I still want to raise my hands and just give you the very best that I can because you are worthy and deserving of my first fruits, not just in money, but in every single part of my life. You deserve my first fruits.
Why? Because you promised me if I obey, you got this. You're never going to leave me. You, you promised. And so today, will you take God at his word? Not just in money. That's certainly a, an element of it. But I want to invite a group of people to find a place at an altar today. And to bring God the very best that you have. As you find a place to pray. And maybe God's dealing with your heart about a couple of things. That's something between you and God. But I certainly know I want to do better. I want to give them the best that I have to offer. The first fruits.